Today's show is brought to you by Zip Recruiter, the presenting sponsor of Recode Media. Zip Recruiter's powerful technology finds people with the right experience for your job and actively invites them to apply so you get qualified candidates fast. And now our listeners can try it for free at ziprecruiter.com slash Peter. A decade ago, during experiments on board the space shuttle Columbia, Merck scientist Paul Reichert discovered conditions that crystallize a specific protein. By studying these crystals, Paul and his team determined all new ways to improve the storage of structurally fragile medicines, devising life-saving drug delivery methods. Paul is just one of many Merck scientists dedicated to inventing for life. See why we invent at Merck.com slash inventing for life. This is Recode Media from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kurt Wagner in for Peter Kafka, and I'm here at the Vox Media studio in San Francisco with Emmett Shear, the CEO of Twitch. By the time you hear this episode, Twitch will have finished its annual conference, TwitchCon, where we're taping it a week beforehand. Emmett, welcome to Recode Media. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. I wish that our listeners could see your socks. We were just talking about you are wearing Twitch socks today. Yeah. By the time you hear this, TwitchCon will be over, but you should come to the next TwitchCon where there will probably be socks available. Well, yeah, okay, you're right. All of our all of our listeners are, have missed out on their sock opportunity, but good plug for, for next year's TwitchCon. Thank you for being here. I, I, there's like a lot of stuff that I want to get to, but I think we should probably set the stage by figuring out what Twitch is. And I, <laughs> and I say that as someone who knows what Twitch is, and I think a lot of people do, but at the same time, I think there are a lot of people who still maybe have heard of you guys, but they're not fully aware. So let's pretend I don't play video games. Mm-hmm. What is your kind of pitch to me? What, what is Twitch? Twitch is a service for multiplayer entertainment. Twitch lets you come together as a community and watch other people pursuing their passions and share that with everyone else who's watching and interact live with those people as they're streaming what they love. And the biggest category, obviously, on Twitch is video games. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's what we're best known for. And there's a great variety of video games you can stream. So video games is a pretty big uh, subject, and it is, the I think, the largest single category of entertainment now. But we have uh, have lots of other content on Twitch as well. And... uh, the thing that really unifies Twitch across the board is the multiplayer entertainment aspect. What is What do you mean by multiplayer entertainment? Multiplayer entertainment is entertainment where you're not just doing it by yourself. Um, the difference between a multiplayer game and a single-player game is do you do it interactively with other people or do you do it on your own? And Twitch is live video streaming multiplayer that you're doing with the community at the same time. Um, and that's what makes Twitch multiplayer rather than single-player entertainment. Got it. So you're, you're playing a game, you're broadcasting it live on the internet, I am... You consider me the viewer as a second player, I guess, in this Exactly. Case. You're part of the show, too. Okay. And how does... I mean, how am I part of the show? Because usually when I watch TV or a video online, I'm, I'm very much not a part of the show. I'm, I'm a consumer. Right. Traditional interaction between a video producer and a consumer is the video producer makes something, and they put it out there, and then some people maybe consume it or not. Even live content's created that way. On Twitch, it's extremely common for creators to be reacting to chat live and taking questions and just cracking jokes and asking chat, what should I do next? And that interactivity 
really makes the stream happen. I actually think that on Twitch, chat is half the fun. And we, we often find that people show up because they want to watch a video stream, but they stay because they want to be part of this chat community. Because they're, they're talking with the actual, not just other people watching, but that's possible too, mm-hmm. right? Like if, yeah, if, it's, it's a community of people who are chatting with each other and also with the streamer. Right. Um, and the streamer is part of the community as well. And so I want to get into, this can be very big business for some of these streamers, which I want to talk about in a little bit. But before we get there, I kind of want to take a step back. Twitch is four years since being acquired by Amazon, I believe, roughly four years. That's right, years. almost exactly four, actually. Almost, yeah, it just happened. But you have been doing live streaming stuff for a lot longer than that. Um, I think you were one of the Justin TV guys, uh, which, for those who don't know, do you want to explain what I'm, Justin I'm TV is? I'm happy to explain Justin TV. This uh, is like, this, this is, we had Justin uh, Khan, who is the Justin of Justin TV. He was on a, a Recode uh, Decode podcast a couple years ago. But it's kind of trippy. I'll let, you, I'll let you explain what this whole thing was. And when, when was this? Was this 10 years ago at this point? This is, it's almost, almost 12 now. 12, okay. Um, graduated college in 2005, and Justin and I started a failed startup uh, called Kiko Calendar, which uh, we sold on eBay. You can read the full story if you want. Just Google what Kiko it, eBay. Well, give us what is it? We did exactly what it sounds like. We sold the startup on eBay. We ran a, we ran an auction. It was oh, great. Oh, you literally sold We literally it to the sold our, the entire startup to the highest bidder on eBay. <laughs> and and it was a calendar startup? It was a calendar, that's right. A calendar uh, imagine app? Google Calendar, but like, you know, before Google Calendar existed. Okay. And you um, sold it on eBay. How much did you go on for? eBay. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get the number wrong. I think Two hundred and fifty-eight thousand. Oh my gosh! Wow. Uh, okay. But I'm I'm worried that that's like not exactly right. Well, but it's somewhere okay. around there. It's close. Do you feel like you got the value for it? Oh, absolutely. I feel like uh, we had no business starting a calendar startup. Had no idea how calendars worked. Had no idea really how anything worked. And we were just happy to get any money out at all. Yeah. Okay. And that's a lot of money. Okay. So you start a calendar thing with Justin. Right. And so then we learned from that that ridiculous stunts can get you attention. And so uh, <laughs> we, thought the, we thought the next best thing to do would be to go start another startup together. And we had some bad ideas, uh, and we had this other really bad idea, which is we should make a reality television show about Justin's life. Because if you ever met Justin, he's a, he's, he's a character. And we thought it would be great to have a 24-7 live reality show uh, about Justin. And so we're like, great. And we raised $50,000 um, from Paul Graham to go do it. And we brought on Michael and Kyle, co-founders, and we launched a 24-7 live reality show about Justin's life, which was about as interesting as you'd imagine. It turns out people sleep like eight, nine hours a day. Yeah, yeah. They, they're just not interesting for 24 hours a day. Yeah. And we hadn't talked to anyone from the reality television show industry, but it turns out reality TV is all about editing. The key to reality TV is taking a week of content and editing it down to the 20 minutes that were actually interesting. Sure. So if you take a week of content and edit it down to the week because you aren't cutting anything, it's it's really boring. At what point did you realize, wow, this is not good content? Uh, almost immediately. I think it took <laughs> us a couple weeks to realize that waiting for the exciting moments just wasn't enough to get people to stick around. because it was Because it was live, it had this great aspect to it where every now and then something really exciting would happen on stream. And there was a desire to sort of leave it running and tune in when that exciting thing happened. It actually turns out in many ways that we were, we'd figured out what Snapchat figured out later, but then Snapchat just did it better, where with Snapchat, you would just record the 30 seconds of the thing 
you know, when the interesting thing was happening, and then you wouldn't have the rest of the 24 hours of boring video. Right. Um, and then you'd share that with all your friends for a short period. Um, Stories was brilliant. It's, it was the fun part of Justin TV just condensed into a way that was actually consumable by real people. Got it. And yet this still lasted for like eight or nine months, right? So you realize yeah, we, right away it's terrible, and yet we, you guys We ran the show it. for about three months, maybe four oh, months. Oh, only three. For some yeah. reason, I, was, I thought it was longer. We technically left the show up for about, six, I think, maybe six or seven. Yeah. But— yeah. We had no audio for the last half, and Justin was just going crazy. It turns out also being broadcast live on the internet 24-7 is really hard on you psychologically. Yeah, I imagine that's not good for mental Um, health. And so at any rate, we realized that what we'd really built that was valuable was we'd built a technology that could let anyone do what Justin was doing. And we had all this inbound interest from people saying, hey, I want to stream like Justin does. And so we opened up Justin TV to be a service for anyone. Uh, to stream live video. And is that what Twitch became? And that's, or that's, that's, where that's what leads into be, to turning into Twitch. It took us several years to get there. There's a lot of ups and downs. We had to figure out how to scale the service. We had to figure out how to actually, you know, hire employees. And there's a whole, like, learning to start up process there. But uh, we realized a number of years in that uh, this was when I was playing the StarCraft II beta. The only content I really loved on Justin TV was the gaming content. And... I think I had this realization that I wasn't the only one who had that uh, interest. And so the idea of focusing down on gaming started. And actually, Twitch, Twitch's original incarnation was Justin TV Gaming. We just we made a gaming-dedicated section of Justin TV uh, and started growing that. And then it, it got so much momentum, we realized, oh, this deserves its own brand and its own, its own landscape because it was a different experience. Yep. That was the genesis of it, was, was coming out of that Justin TV Gaming. And what, what year was that? about that you feel like Twitch finally or Justin TV Gaming became Twitch or whatever? Like, you guys feel, feel like you f- kind of figured it out? It was October 2010 when we made the decision to pivot uh, and focus on gaming. And it was E3 2011 when we launched the Twitch uh, brand. I find it kind of interesting that some of the more recent efforts around live streaming from, you know, Facebook or Twitter or even YouTube have... You know, those are those are of, of the last couple of years, right? So you were kind of doing this, what, seven or eight years ago. Why do you think that, you know, Facebook, for example, launched Facebook Live when it did? What took so long? I mean, I have, to be honest, unfortunately, no idea why our competitors launch things when they do. They don't write me letters explaining it. In fact, I think I'm on the specific list of people that don't get informed. Probably, yeah. But uh, I think live video is really, can be a scary category for big companies sometimes because... It's just very complicated. There's a lot of moving parts, and you have to have a a vision for how you're going to build a community around it. Because I think one of the things we've learned about live video online is that what makes it special is that community. At least that's that's what's worked for us. And I think building that community is is really hard. So I'm not surprised that you know that it's taken a long time for people to take a whack at that. Yeah. Okay. So 2011, you guys launch. Uh, we said it's what, been four years. So that would have been fall of 2014. You sell to Amazon uh, for like a billion dollars, just under a billion dollars. Um, how does that process come about? So we don't really talk about the uh, method of getting to the deal, unfortunately, because there's all sorts of papers, pieces of paper you sign that say, don't, don't talk about this. Um, what Even- I can talk about is like, why I thought Amazon would be a good home. Sure. Um, well, I imagine there were other people who were interested. Like, this was this a formal process? Can you give us that? I mean, 
uh, I think that it's uh, a matter of public record that we represented by Catalyst. So uh, clearly there's some kind of process there. Sure. I was really excited about Amazon uh, for two reasons. Uh, one is that during the process, I got to meet uh, Jeff Bezos. Yeah. Um, and I was super impressed by his questions and by his level of insight and his ability to like ramp up quickly uh, on the information. And then the other part of it was I just had to look at Amazon's track record. Amazon is almost unique in large tech companies in retaining founder CEOs after the acquisition. Their hit rate is not 100%, but Zappos, IMDb, um, Audible, it's kind of crazy, actually. Like, most tech companies acquire the company and they just assume that the founder is going to be gone a year or two later. And I didn't really want to do that. I wasn't, I wasn't interested in that outcome. And so uh, I'm really glad we wound up going with Amazon because it's worked out for us, too. Was there a specific vision that he had or conveyed to you? Like, what was kind of the general pitch, right? I mean, there, because you do have options at that point. So, mm-hmm. what, why is what is his pitch to you? Uh, the Amazon pitch, I think, for acquisitions, at least at scale, uh, is a really simple one, which is we're going to be a good home for your business, and we're going to let you run it. And we think that you're the best person to run your business. We think you know more about your business than we do, and. Uh, we're, we're, we're buying it because we want you to keep doing that. Yeah. So if you're not interested in that outcome, you sh- please don't take our money. Like that's, that would not be a good outcome. And that was appealing to me. That's what I wanted was, was independence and the ability to keep running Twitch. And uh, it's been four years, and you, you're in San Francisco. Right? I am. Amazon is the whole team. The whole team is here too, yeah. So your whole team well, is here. We have people in other offices as well, but the great majority of, of uh, Twitch employees are in San Francisco. So... Do you feel like that autonomy, you know, how, I guess, how has that manifested over the last four years? It seems like if you're still here, that must mean that you feel like you, you know, they've lived up to their end of the bargain. Absolutely. You know, we're part of Amazon. And so, you know, there's always issues being part of a larger global organization. A really obvious example would be like tax, right? You have to think about the fact that you're part of a big company where your actions could impact where you get taxed and where you don't get taxed. That's something we didn't have to think about before we were part of Amazon. But the trade-off is we get to launch Twitch Prime. <laughs> and Twitch Prime is an amazing program that we could never have built and launched on our own. And it's awesome for our streamers. That's a subscription program, you guys. Yeah, it's a, it's a subscription program. It's a partnership with Amazon. If you link your Twitch account with your Amazon account uh, and you have Amazon Prime, you get all these great on-Twitch benefits. You get free game content. You get a free channel subscription. And those benefits... And that the scale of that program is something I'm not sure we could have ever figured out how to put together on our own. Yeah. Okay, I need to send us to an ad break, but one final question before I do. Twitter. I heard you guys almost sold to Twitter at one point. I I can't comment on rumors. Okay, fair enough. Uh, We are going to go to an ad break real fast. We'll be right back. Today's show is brought to you by Smartwater. Not satisfied being like other brands, Smartwater looked up into the clouds and said, I wonder if we can one-up Mother Nature for a pure, crisper water. And guess what? They did. This is the kind of water that regular water gets jealous of. And it's the water that refreshes like no other brand. Try it. Smart water. Vapor distilled for purity. Electrolytes for taste. Hey, Recode Media listeners. It may or may not be the week of Thanksgiving. And we are feeling thankful to all of you for letting us make this show. We really are thankful. Thank you. If you're feeling extra generous this week, please leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It's really easy to do, especially from your phone. You can go to the show page and swipe down. If you're not on Apple Podcasts, you can tap the link in the show notes so you can get there. 
Since we're asking for things, we'd also appreciate it if you took a minute this week to rate and review our other shows. That's Recode, Decode, and Pivot, both starring the great Kara Swisher. Thank you, everyone, and have a happy Thanksgiving. Okay, we're back uh, with Emmett Shear, the CEO of Twitch. Can't comment on rumors, but hopefully you can comment on the content that is on Twitch today. So you've talked that most of what you're known for is gaming. So someone's playing video games, other people are watching that person play video games. What kind of other stuff is big on Twitch today? Well, the flashy stuff that's on the site right now that probably is getting the most attention um, that is really exciting, uh, Thursday Night Football from the NFL on every Thursday, yep. Pokemon Marathon, going through all the Pokemon episodes. Uh, today, with the I audience. saw that. Yeah, the Just Pokemon's on right now. We recently did a Doctor Who Marathon. I'm super proud of our uh, work breaking Bob Ross back into the mainstream. The painter. Uh, Bob Ross yeah. was was sort of unknown. He's a, he was a PBS painter. And we ran a big P- Bob Ross marathon, sort of a nostalgia event. And uh, Bob Ross is just blown up. You see him all over the internet now. And I think that's, uh, that's great because Bob Ross is such a big part of my childhood. And I'm glad that kids, again, are getting to interact with Bob Ross. And so how do you decide? I mean, this because that is... Not necessarily the kind of TV that I would carve time in my schedule for usually. Maybe a marathon. Maybe if you're a diehard Doctor Who fan, you might say, oh, man, there's a marathon going on. I want to get there. But, you know, it's not the Game of Thrones type of content that I'm going to say, hey, every Sunday night at 8 p.m. I'm sitting in front of my TV. Do you want that kind of stuff or are you okay kind of – picking the the content that's maybe more, um, you know, in, I, I don't know. I call that background or fringe type stuff. But what? how do you think of it? Uh, I don't think of it as, as fringe. I think of it as fandom. What, you know, what, what, what unifies Pokemon or Doctor Who is those, it has those fans who just love it. And what makes the Twitch TV experience so different from normal TV is you're together with 10,000, 20,000, 50,000 other people participating in watching this together as a community. And that's interesting and that's exciting to you if you want to be part of a community around this content. And so it's important to have as a seed of that community people who really love the show and then other people come in and can sort of join them uh, and and it can expand the community and grow the community. I spent a lot of time watching our Yu-Gi-Oh! marathon and I actually had never watched Yu-Gi-Oh! Yu-Gi-Oh! was a little bit uh, what is Yu-Gi-Oh? Oh, it's a it's a card game. It's sort okay. of like Magic the Gathering, but there's a TV show yep. about it. Okay. And uh, I found myself really kind of getting into the Yu-Gi-Oh marathon, even though I'd never really liked Yu-Gi-Oh before, because the community was so welcoming and it was such a unifying experience. Just because people were talking about the the show while you're watching the show. Yeah, you can participate, and it's you know people are kind of making fun of it sometimes, or they're. Uh, they're laughing along with it. They're making kind of memes out of the events of the show, and it's fun. It's yeah. like it's a it's another layer of experience. So, how do you decide what shows kind of have that fandom necessary to appear on Twitch? We ask our audience. We, we we're all about surveying and talking to Twitch people and uh, finding out you know what do they like, what do they what would they like to watch a marathon of? What if, you know, and we use that data to figure out what's gonna you know what's gonna appeal. What is something that uh, maybe you would love to, to have on Twitch that you don't today? Uh, is there a certain show that like you're a big fan of that's not on there? I think that the main thing that we look for is something that will be an event, right? We're looking for something where when it goes on, everybody's going to want to tune in and come together around that. And so I think 
you know, the best things there, the ones that we've I've enjoyed the most have been things like our Mr. Rogers marathon where, like, I love Mr. Rogers. And a, the movie, is there a movie coming there's out? A, there's a movie there's coming a movie. out. And that would be actually a great occasion to, like, redo a Mr. Rogers marathon around that movie and have a build-up to everyone being able to go see that. And I actually think the idea would be, you know, you turn off the Twitch stream at midnight when the movie starts. And everyone leaves Twitch and they go to go to the movies together. Because I think Twitch is about that community thing. It doesn't have to, everything doesn't have to happen on Twitch. Yeah. We're trying to create that community, trying to bring people together. And whether it happens on Twitch or off Twitch, uh, I think that's a win. What about getting the movie on Twitch? Would you like to do that someday? Movies can be fun on Twitch. We've done a couple like movie premiere things on Twitch. The way live video works, everyone's not necessarily available to tune in at the same time. And so we generally find longer, more like marathon style content works better, but we're always open to experimenting. And I think it'd be cool to have a marathon that's capped off by a, you know, movie release. But we're really focused on that, like, sort of bigger event, the longer event. And so how does that work with, like, the NFL? You mentioned, so Amazon mm-hmm. has this digital streaming deal with the NFL for Thursday Night Football. You mentioned the games are on Twitch. That's right. They're also on Prime. Sports is one of those things where you really have to watch as it's happening. How does that manifest given that you, to your point, right, not everybody is necessarily free to tune in at certain times. So does football work on Twitch? Yeah, football does work because people have already built their lives around when the football games happen. So the and, NFL is strong enough that that, that works. Yeah, if, if you have a appointment viewing content, people are used to consuming in an appointment viewing way, sports, news, you know, that kind of uh, daily content, I think that can work. But honestly, what really makes the NFL work on Twitch is co-streaming. Um, we have a streamer co-streaming the NFL. And what um, is that? Sorry, what does co-streaming mean? So co-streaming is where you add your voiceover to what's happening in the action. Got it. And that attracts a whole new audience of people who are fans of that streamer and brings them into uh, the football content. And that's been super successful. It's been really cool to watch Twitch communities come together around... Uh, watching the NFL the way they might have come together in the past around watching a video game. Um, we've seen that's been exciting for the community. I think it's a really cool opportunity for us, any sports league to be able to reach a new audience of like millennials um, and Gen Z people who might not uh, already be huge fans. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's a, it's a natural fit. So most of the... Um well, I guess I don't know. How, do, how does the content that's non-gaming, so, you know, there's people who are streaming from their, their living room or bedroom or wherever it may be. Uh, then you have stuff like the NFL or, or TV shows. Who cuts those deals? Like, do those come to you because Amazon, they're available on Amazon Prime and you kind of get a benefit of that? Or are you guys kind of going out and cutting your own partnership deals with people? Like, how does this actually show up on Twitch? For content acquisition, it's, it's a mix of a whole bunch of different ways of going after it. Sometimes things are inbound. Sometimes we're going and getting it. Uh, sometimes we're working in collaboration with Amazon to go get it. I think we're open to a variety of ways of, of going after it. I'm not sure there's any one primary way. Definitely, most of the stuff we do is exclusive to Twitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, the NFL is one of the few things we've done that's been a joint prime Twitch streaming program. Yeah, But it's worked really well, so... We'd love to do more in the future. Yeah, I was just going to ask. I mean, do you want there? There's some good original stuff on Prime, and it would seems to me like there's not a huge uh, risk of putting it on another Amazon-owned property. Is is that something you want to do? What I mean, there's a lot of Amazon originals, right? That that seem to be doing well. Yeah, uh, I think just throwing 
video onto Twitch at random tends not to work very well, but we're always looking for ways to work with Amazon and bring Amazon assets to Twitch, uh, and we're always looking for ways to introduce Twitch customers to cool video. Yeah. So that's a uh, that's an easy match for us to go make. How do you, how would you decide then? If it, it, I'm sure it's not to your point, it's not as simple as just hey, here's mm-hmm. good video that works on Amazon. Let's throw it on Twitch. But you got to also experiment or figure out some way. So how do you do that? Yeah, one of the Twitch uh, company values is experiment to decide because I really, I, I put that value in place because I really believe that uh, the best way to figure out if something works is often not to spend a bunch of time theorizing about whether it might work or not, but try it and see. And that's how we'd, we'd go investigate this as well. And I think that's how we are investigating this. Uh, Thursday Night Football is a great example of experiment yeah. to decide we're giving it a shot. We're measuring it. We're seeing how it uh, performs, and we're, uh, we'll make decisions again in the future based on the data we get out. Okay. Let's talk about gaming, though, because that is still mm-hmm. what, certainly what I think of you guys for. Can you quantify at all how big gaming is compared to maybe other types of content that you guys have? Like, is, it's the dominant yeah, thing. Yeah, gaming right? is, the, is the super majority of our content. Okay. It is the, uh, the primary thing people come to Twitch to watch today. And so what do you feel, I was looking that some of the, the big games, that some of the obvious ones, if people are gamers, mm-hmm. they would say, duh, is uh, you know, Fortnite, mm-hmm. uh, League of Legends, I think Call of Duty was up there. What's kind of the big uh, draw for you guys today? We do well with all basically multiplayer competitive games, and we also do well with games that I would call sort of sandbox or creative games. Twitch tends not to get a ton of broadcasting for, like, more single-player experiences. I think sort of unsurprising. We're multiplayer entertainment, and single-player kind of takes you away from that. Uh, so it's it's the multiplayer games that do really well on Twitch in general. Which is, I mean, Fortnite. Yeah, like, Fortnite is, is Fortnite huge Fortnite for is. us. Like, uh, Fortnite is a, uh, it's a hard game to explain. You're parachuted onto an island where you pick up weapons and can, like, chop wood to build structures to defend yourself while you're trying to defend yourself against 100 other people who are also on the island and be the last person not to die. Right. You're all sh- you're shooting at each other. If, if you haven't played a Battle Royale game. I, I hope yeah. everyone on this listening to this has played a Battle Royale game. If you haven't played a Battle Royale game, you should go play I'm one. I'm going to assume that people haven't you, played th- Battle Royale. It's pretty popular. Well, I'm not saying it's not popular. Maybe I'm just I'm just surrounded by a, a you, bunch of computer nerds. I'd say you're surrounded. I'd say you games. are immersed in the gaming community yeah. more than probably most people who will listen to this. But yeah, there's a there's a whole genre now. Fortnite is extremely prominent, but there's also a player unknown battlegrounds. Um, there's a new Call of Duty Blackout uh, title, um, and the the joke at E3 actually was that everything was a battle royale game uh, this year. And uh, there's a ton of really I think actually really exciting, cool, innovative things people are doing in the battle royale genre. And they're all around this idea of you and 99 other people show up on an island, who's the last one left alive? Right. Um, or sometimes you have you know teams of two, teams of four. And so how are people, uh, streamers are making a lot of money doing this. Some, some of them are. Walk us through a little bit about how that actually works. So I'm a... I'm a great Fortnite player. Maybe I'm. I have a, a good personality too. Therefore, people want to not only watch me play video games, but watch me kind of narrate as I'm playing video games. How am I making money from that? So people definitely love watching people who are both good at the game and entertaining. And if you can hit both of those, you can get quite popular. And you make money in a variety of different ways. Uh, when you have that audience, you can uh, show advertising. Um, which is a you know tried and true method of monetizing an sure. audience that 
I'm sure uh, listeners uh, to this podcast are familiar with. Sure, they've heard of it. I've heard yeah. they heard of it. We'll assume um, so. And uh, we also sell channel subscriptions. And a channel subscription uh, is something that the streamer can sell that costs $5 a month that gains you access to a special set of emoticons you can use in chat, special badge next to your name, uh, the ability to speak when the chat room is put into subs-only mode. But it's not access to the content. Like, anyone can watch the content for free. Anyone can watch the video for mm-hmm. free. It's more like joining a fan club. It's like being a member uh, of a club and really supporting the streamer. And one of the really cool things that you get with Twitch Prime is a free subscription every month. So that's a you know sort of a great way to build a, uh, a base of true fans. Yeah. And then we also have cheering, uh, which is based around using bits, which is this virtual good that you can use to create a celebration of a special moment. So like a t- I, I think of them as tips. I mean, you guys call them bits. But. Yeah, you could, you could use that metaphor. Bits for, are like little, they're like, it's like a virtual good. They're like little, these little gems, and you can use them to make explosions of different kinds of emoticons on yeah. stream. Does it surprise you that um, it has become such a big business for certain people? Like how, mean, much, how much are people making, I guess? Give us a sense. You know, people can make hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, millions of dollars on, on Twitch over time. I think that uh, we've really seen that entertainment over the internet isn't really any different from entertainment uh, off the internet. Right. The talent and the best, the best talent and the best uh, creators, of course, can make money at it. Um, and it doesn't surprise me at all. In fact, it's literally our company mission um, is to enable creators to make a living entertaining and educating their fans. And was that something that you wanted to do when you started? You said you were a gamer. Yeah, that was that was actually the goal when we started Twitch. We uh, we pivoted Justin TV to Twitch. I realized we needed to make a decision uh, as to which audience we we were going to spend the most effort on. Were we going to be focused first on helping creators uh, make a living, entertaining and educating their fans, or were we going to be focused first on helping viewers find entertaining creators they can watch? And obviously, it's two sides of the same coin. But picking one lens that's primary, I think, is really important, especially for a startup. And uh, and we chose streamers because we think that uh, that's the heart and soul of what makes uh, a service like Twitch work um, is the creator. And so uh, one of the f- most famous creators, guy guy named Ninja, right? Yes, right yes, uh, Ninja uh, Tyler. Yeah, uh, Ninja's awesome. He's he's been a he's been a, on Twitch since before Twitch was Twitch. Um, he, he started with that when we were just in TV, I think. So he's been on for a long time. And he's the most famous guy, right? Or at least the most successful. He's certainly the most famous Twitch streamer right now. And yeah. so um, explain to the listeners what happens. Because he he went on with uh, someone famous, like a musician, right? Didn't he go on with a rat, like Drake or someone like that? Okay, there was, he, he had Drake on his... No, no, he didn't go on with Drake. No, no, no. Drake went on with him. Sorry. Let's be, let's be clear. I, I had this confused look on my face. I know, you, you did. I, I was sitting here going, like, oh my God, did I get the name wrong or something like that? He didn't okay. go, I was like, he didn't go on any, any musician stream. That, that never happened. Correct. No, no, no. Drake, Drake came on Tyler's stream because he needed to reach a new audience, I think. You know, he needed, uh, yeah. he needed Ninja to help him uh, get with the young kids, I think. And so what was that like? Because they, I mean, that was a massive internet, that was one of those internet moments where, where people are kind of realized, oh my gosh, this whole notion of watching others game is not just a gaming thing. It's it's a pop culture thing. That's how I took it. So it's really interesting because when you look at the stats, I mean, Ninja's been on Twitch for a long time. And he's been sort of growing steadily. And when Fortnite launched, 
we kind of hit this inflection point because Fortnite was so popular and he was the best Fortnite streamer. And so he just like kind of exploded in popularity. Uh, and that's when, you know, Drake went on. And you'd think that Drake going on was this like inflection point. But if you look, actually go back and zoom out and look at his popularity growth, Ninja's popularity was just zooming up anyways. Like that was happening uh, because people loved Fortnite and they loved his stream. But the Drake moment was super important, I think, for the general public because it was, for a lot of people, I think the first context where they kind of heard about Twitch uh, because it got talked about a lot. Right. Um, and Because how many viewers were there? 650,000, roughly. Yeah, at one time, which yeah, is yeah. That's, that's pretty impressive. And what was interesting about it is you might think that's a bunch of Drake fans showing up for, for Tyler, but no, that was, that was Ninja's whole fan base showing up because, like, oh, this is awesome. He's streaming with Drake. Right. Uh, and so that was his, his fan base turning out for him. And so is that something that you guys uh, set up? Uh, are you involved in that in any way, or is that just, like, Drake and Ninja, Tyler, I keep calling him Ninja, I yeah, guess, yeah. whatever. That's a cool, yeah, that's a cool Ninja's name. Ninja's a cool name. We can call him Ninja. Yeah, so is that just Drake and Ninja getting together with their, you know, agents on the side, or are you guys playing a role in this? We didn't actively set that up. We just, we were, actually, I got a bunch of text messages from my friends being like, dude, do you know Drake is on with Ninja? <laughs> and I was like, no, actually, I didn't. And then I went and turned Twitch on, and... There it was. You were one of the 650,000. Right. I want to keep going, but we're going to take one final break for an ad, and then we'll be right back. Maurice Hilleman developed vaccines for some of the world's most devastating diseases. He's been called one of the true giants of science, medicine, and public health in the 20th century. Yet, he's not a household name. That changes today. Dr. Hilleman was on the forefront of discovering, developing, and inventing many vaccines that have helped save and improve lives worldwide. Dr. Hilleman's impact on public health is undeniable, and his passionate commitment continues to inspire scientists in medical research laboratories to this day. You've always known his inventions. Now you know who's behind them. Merck has been working to discover and develop vaccines for more than a century. Dr. Hilleman was just one of the many Merck scientists throughout our history who've been dedicated to inventing for life. See why we invent today at Merck.com slash inventing for life. We're back with Emmett Shear, the CEO of Twitch. We're talking about gaming and the business of live stream video. I mentioned kind of at the very beginning of the conversation, I mentioned Facebook and, and my question at that time was what took Facebook so long. I guess I'm curious when you look at the landscape today and look at where you guys are, who I think of Facebook as a logical competitor. I mean, where do you see that you fit in? It's interesting. Uh, I certainly think that it's important to keep track of your competitors um, and, you know, know what they're offering and make sure that, you know, they didn't come up with some awesome idea you didn't come up with. But at the end of the day, we run Twitch in a very, like, streamer-focused way, not a competitor-focused way. And so, you know, I, I hope we fit into the landscape as the most streamer-focused multiplayer entertainment service in the world. Um, and I think that's what, what we strive to be. I mean, what does that mean exactly? Because you're still, what you know, mm -hmm. whether you want to pay attention to Facebook or not, they're there, right? And I'm using mm -hmm. them as one example. But I guess I'm curious, like, what being streamer-focused versus competitor-focused entails. Yeah, so... Uh, Competitor-focused is where you spend your time worrying about how do we beat their feature set? How do we make our product stand out from that product? Right. 
streamer-focused, that, that, that's about you and about the competitor, and it's not really thinking about the streamer at all. Uh, streamer-focused is like, hey, what do streamers care about? What do streamers want? Streamers want really high-quality video. They want to reach new fans. Uh, they want to make a living and, and earn, earn an ability to support themselves doing it. They want something we call love. They want positive social interaction and reinforcement uh, from Twitch, from their fans, from their community. And you can also focus on how do we deliver more of that. And that's where we spend our time. We spend our time thinking about how do we improve video quality? How do we deliver more fans? How do we deliver better ways to earn a living? How do we deliver better positive social interaction? And we think that if, as long as we do that, as long as we deliver as much of as we can, streamers will want to choose us. And we don't really have to worry too much about anyone else because we're doing the thing the streamers want. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do that as best we can. And as long as we uh, you know, execute well, uh, that's all we have to do. Is it competitive to get a streamer onto the platform? Uh, I know, for example, when Facebook first started doing this, they came out and they said, hey, look at all these streamers that we got. And I imagine that they offered them some kind of sweet financial incentive to, to stream on a totally new platform. Do you guys feel like you have to almost compete for these for these types of people? Absolutely, we've been we've been competing for uh, streamer attention from day one. Um, I think in a, much the same way that you know Amazon is in an intensely competitive industry. Mm-hmm. There are thousands of people who sell stuff, um, and uh, and Twitch is in an intensely competitive industry. There's there are a lot of services that offer you live streaming, um, and we're really honored every single time a streamer chooses us uh, over a competitor because. We really do think there's a there's a choice you're making, uh, and we're glad that we are that choice. Mm-hmm. And we want to we realize we have to re-earn that trust every day. Is there anyone? Do you guys do uh, do you bring people on under contract or anything like that, or is everyone just they they're free to free to stream somewhere else whenever they want? We definitely contract with people. That's how that's how you get paid. Is you become a 1099 you know contractor. So at some level, it's definitely in contract, right? We're not going to cut checks to people if we don't know who they are and don't. Uh, don't have signed paperwork, but I think what you're really asking is like, how do we think about like contract duration? Mm-hmm. Um, and the answer to that is uh, a lot of our contracts are under NDA with the partner, and so we can't comment on the okay. exact terms. But I like to think that we uh, we aim for creating contracts that are fair to both both sides, reasonable, and we don't try to force streamers to. Uh, give up their future. Yeah, and I should have asked this back when we were talking about the business element, but you, you mentioned three ways. There's uh, the subscription, there's ads that can appear, and then the bits, kind of that tipping. Mm-hmm. Is all of that in, in some kind of revenue share element? So, I, you know, th- the creator gets a portion and Twitch gets a portion? That's right. We have a rule, actually, that we try to make money with our streamers. Um, and so uh, we're always looking for things where if Twitch is making money out of something, we want to make sure that there's some way that's benefiting the streamer yeah. as well. Um, and I guess vice versa, right? Uh, we want to find a way to benefit alongside our streamers because that's the way we stay in business. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we like to set it up so it's it's win-win. And um, so how much do you take? We don't have any, like, globally uh, standard oh, public like a, set of revenue shares. It's like a secret number. It's like, uh, like, like contract terms and things like that. It's one of those things that uh, gets, you know, negotiated sometimes per partner. Okay. We're talking about things that maybe what I feel don't necessarily work on live video. Um, I have been thinking of Meerkat, Periscope, early days of Facebook Live when it was like, hey, go live, you know, from your your living room. It seemed like that didn't really work for live video. 
So I, I actually have a lot of experience with mobile live video because Justin TV launched yeah. one of the very first low mobile live video apps. And so I got a lot of firsthand experience with trying to do live video streaming for mobile. Um, and that's why I'm so impressed with how Snapchat tackled that. Yeah. Because it turns out the primary thing you need to make live video work is the ability to pull in an audience. This is still the thing that is the hardest thing for us to help our streamers with. Because when you just go live, it takes a long time to build up an audience. Like, unless you already have people who know to tune in at this time sure. for you, it's hard. And so you get, the way to build that audience is to start streaming at the same time every day, or do they have the ability to push notify a whole crap ton of people all at once? And to have them not be upset that you just push notified them. Right, exactly. <laughs> so they turn it off. Not get annoyed. Exactly, not get annoyed. And so uh, Twitch has taken the appointment viewing approach. So, you know, we have push notifications for things, but that's not the primary way we do things. We address uh, building an audience by getting people to enjoy the service enough to just show back up again uh, because that's when they, they know you're on 5 p.m. every Friday or whatever. Right. Whereas I think there's sort of a different approach where you can try to, you can try to do the push notify thing, but it's, it's really hard. Uh, just the Justin TV mobile app, what we discovered was almost no one ever tuned in while the stream was live. They almost always watched it hours after the fact. And why, um, why don't people—is it just the content's not interesting? Like, why didn't that really work? I know, obviously, there is the audience element, right? Like, no one wants to perform for the camera to nobody. But at the same time, it feels like it—I don't know. I, I don't even have interest in really watching my friends do it. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious if it's just bad content. The, the key for, uh, I think, all mobile creation um, of the sort of the short-form variety is that— if you try to do it live, if you create a piece of short-form content live, it has to be, people have to tune in right when you're making, it's a 30-second piece of content, I have to go watch that immediately. I don't sure. know how you use your phone, but I'm not like just sitting there waiting for something. No. And so that's how Twitch uh, approaches it is we actually think we're about long-form content. Mm -hmm. Like the, One of the reasons why we have the number two highest uh, watch time in the U.S. is because it's long-form content that you really sit down and you engage with uh, over a long period of time. And that's really what works well with live. Um, trying to do short-form snippets, go live from this moment, go live from that moment, yep. just doesn't work as well as you might think it does because people aren't, you aren't like on call to tune in at your demand. Yeah. Uh, you, I'm glad you mentioned the, the watch time because I wanted to ask you, there's a big conversation now in the Valley, of course, around like tech addiction, making sure that uh, Facebook, for example, has started to say, with Facebook and Instagram, hey, here's how much time you're spending in the app. We obviously saw that with Apple. How do you think about that, right? Because your your business is similar to theirs. Like the longer people pay attention, the better it is for business. So do you guys think of the fact that, oh, do we want people sitting in front of the screen for, you know, hours on end? We do think about it. I think that for Twitch, because we're not building an addiction loop, it's a little different, right? Like, the, the way that a lot of mobile apps work is this, like, dopamine rush, push notify, get a nugget of new information, open news feed. And Twitch is just not that. And so uh, I think we don't—we suffer less from a lot of the addiction, uh, got to press the button 19 times a day yeah. kind of uh, uh, interactions. And Twitch people don't open our app that many times a day. They just open it for a long time when they yeah. do. And I just think that's— that's a much healthier way of interacting with your technology and with entertainment. You know, I go to a movie, I'll spend two hours watching a movie. That doesn't mean that, like, I'm addicted to the movie. It just means that, like, you know, it's a good piece of entertainment. I decided to go sit down and watch. Um, and I, I don't necessarily think that's such a big deal. That said, 
we definitely are paying attention to this, and I think that it's really important for every tech business to be self-reflective about, you know, is this addictive? Are people actually getting value out of their usage? And making sure people like feel like they, you know, can you give them the tools to have control over that? Yeah. Um, and to not get sucked into the never-ending uh, addiction spiral of of phones. Yeah, so it's an interesting that it sounds like volume kind of matters from your perspective because I'm sitting here thinking, or at least I was 30 mm-hmm. seconds ago, that whether or not I open my Facebook app 50 times within a two-hour period or if I open it once but I'm looking at Facebook for two straight hours, that to me feels kind of the same. Mm. You see those as maybe different. I see them as very different. Why does cocaine have this terrible reputation for addictiveness? Because it's this this drug that you're like doing it over and over and over again. You have you keep you keep having to go back to it. You're, sure. you're you're fiending for it over and over again. And you know that's true for like I don't know sleep as well. I fiend for sleep every night, but it's like it's not a constant in my head all the time thing. It's like oh I'm tired. I want this thing. Yeah. And I think that's actually healthy. That's fine. Uh, and so you know obviously there's a dynamic range there. Uh, if someone sits down and is playing something for eight hours and it's just dis- a day and it's or watching it for eight hours a day and it's disrupting their ability to be productive, that's good. That's a, that's sure. a problem. You can get addicted to anything. Yeah. Uh, you can get addicted to food. But it's pretty different to sit down and engage with something for two hours, have an enjoyable experience, and be able to put it down and go on your way and live your life versus something that you feel the need to just, it's constantly, you're checking yeah. it, you're checking it, you're checking it, you can never put it down. What about the creators themselves? Because as a consumer, yes, mm. I can I can check in and say, hey, I want to watch this for 30 minutes, and then I go on my day. For people who are, you know, this is, for some of them, their livelihood, I imagine there's pressure to, like, always, they can't make money unless they're live, right? So do you do, you do anything about that, or is that on them to figure that out? Yeah, thank you for asking that question, actually, because I think that uh, the streamer lens is, Equally important, and actually it's one that we think about a lot. The first thing to, about that is that we do regard Twitch as a full-time job. Like, if you're doing Twitch eight hours a day, you're doing it right mm-hmm. as a streamer. Like, you're, you're supposed to be streaming a reasonable amount of time. Um, and you don't have to do eight hours. You can do six hours or four, right? But, like, if you're streaming Twitch an hour a day and expecting to make a living at it, like, I hope you're really, really good because most jobs you can't make a living on in five hours a week of work. Mm-hmm. So we're not necessarily upset with streaming when it happens, you know, for a what would be an outrageously long length of time for a entertainment. But when you have the context of this is meant to be earning a living or yeah. at least earning, you know, substantial income, um, it seems less crazy. And so we're okay with people streaming a lot. What's not good is streaming like 16 hours a day, right? You, if you're, I mean, if you do, you do it once limits? in a while, that's fine. Um, we don't right now because we don't have a way to do it in an automated way that we think is uh, is fair and good. Um, but we will talk with people when we think if we think they're overdoing it. And I think that uh, it's an area we need to actively invest more. I actually don't think we do enough here yet, but I think that we're very much invested in our streamers' long-term health. Yeah. Um, and we, we we really we've had I think Ninja's a great example. Streamers have been on the platform for you know some some of them coming up on eight nine years now. And we that's that's the kind of relationship we want with our streamers. And so we think about this problem uh, a lot. We do not want people burning out and dropping out. Yeah. Um, I'm over my time, but I w- had one final question for you. Uh, we were talking about the autonomy you get uh, with Amazon and, you know, you guys are down here. I cover Instagram. 
the Instagram founders just left and it was like a big thing. Eventually they just ran out of autonomy, I think, mm-hmm. at Facebook. What is keeping you at Twitch at this point? Uh, what do you want out of a job? At least what I don't know. What do I want out of a job? What I want out of a job is I want something that is challenging where I feel like I'm always learning and growing. I want something that I think uh, I am making a difference in where like I can tell that my work has an impact advancing the thing that I'm working on. And I want to, the thing I'm working on to, to matter. Um, I want to I want to feel like I have a, a purpose in that that matters. And like Twitch is checking all of those boxes. I like uh, I care about it. I think we're working on something that's really really meaningful. I feel like I contribute a lot to it being able to be successful, and I can I can help on that front. And I'm I'm being challenged and grown by it all the time. Um, Amazon has given me a, a playground where I I can grow and I mm-hmm. uh, uh, and I feel like I can uh, make the decisions I need to make and and grow the company. And so like why would I why would I leave? Yeah. And, you know, who knows if I'll be at, at Twitch forever. God, I, if you'd asked me 10 years ago, would you still be at Twitch? I would have told you, well, first of all, what's Twitch? Because it hasn't even existed <laughs> sure. exist yet. But, like, I have no idea, right? Probably not. I would have said, extremely unlikely I'm still working on this company. Yeah. Uh, and yet, here I am. Yeah. So, so apparently I'm bad at predicting how long I'll be places. Is that autonomy a necessity for you, like it was for the Instagram guys? I think that any CEO founder who's running something probably needs that autonomy. And I think you can judge which companies grant that autonomy by how long they retain CEO founders. Yeah. Uh, the fact that, you know, you've got Tony still at Zappos says something. That's that's not an accident. That doesn't like happen at random. Yeah. Emmett, this was awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Emmett, for coming on the podcast. And thanks to all of you for listening. If you liked this episode of Recode Media, please tell your friends about it. And you can follow me on Twitter at KurtWagner8. Thank you to our sponsors, to Cadence13 and Vox Media for selling all of those ads that you heard during the show. Thanks to Joel Robbie, who edits the show, and to the producers, Gold Arthur and Eric Johnson. This is Recode Media. We will see you next week. Merck scientist Daria Hazuda has failed countless times. But from those failures, medical invention was born. From years of trial and error researching infectious diseases, Dr. Hazuda has helped to develop medicines that help treat HIV and hepatitis C. For the next generation of inventors, Dr. Hazuda's passion, coupled with her commitment to eradicating the world's toughest diseases, proves that failure is a teachable moment. Daria is just one of the many Merck scientists dedicated to inventing for life. See why we invent at Merck.com slash inventing for life. Hi, Recode Media listeners. I'm Anil Dash. And I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function.